Hey everyone, welcome to the Going in Circles Big Monday Show. This is the post-Breeders' Cup, uh, are we going to call it a review, or maybe a review, recap, and we have a ton to cover, uh, we'll get right to it, but um, I think you know what's coming. We're not just going to talk about the race results, because as always, racing has to shoot itself in the foot, uh, and unless you've been really out of it, you'll know what we're talking about, and that situation has continued today. Um, we'll be back in just a minute with uh, with the sniper to talk about the races and uh, everything else. Be back in a second. Pleasant Acre Farms, located just outside Ocala, Florida, is a full-service commercial breeding operation that has one of the top stallion rosters in the Sunshine State. Standing 10 horses, including sons of top sires such as Curlin, Harlan's Holiday, Unbridled Song, Scat Daddy, Canthros, and Twirling Candy, you'll be sure to find a great match for your mare at Pleasant Acres. Owned and operated by consummate professionals, Joe and Helen Barbazon, they provide clients with world-class services in all facets of the thoroughbred industry. Their commitment to quality is what allows Pleasant Acre Farms to pursue their passion for breeding champions. Check out their website at pleasantacrestallions.com or call 352-528-2885. Pleasant Acre Farms. Mr. Sniper. That would be me. Are you prepared? Are you locked in? I'm locked in, baby. Locked in. Well, we have a lot to cover tonight. Oh yeah. We, oh yeah. Uh, we um. <sighs> Friday started out so um, magnificent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was I was gonna say quiet, but it was uh, it was kind of a mundane Breeders' Cup card uh, up till the uh, the finale race 10 the juvie turf um echo zulu as was predicted uh was just too good uh obviously she benefited a little bit from the, stum- the stumbles from hidden connection and juju bean or whatever that philly's name is but um you know she was just clearly the best horse and i know people did a lot of hand-wringing about ricardo santana getting replaced but um and and certainly, it, it, it's hard to see him having done anything. Different. Have, yeah, I've gotten to read, but uh, <laughs> right now she, to me, as I said, for I don't know about six weeks now, I think she's the best two-year-old. Period. Um, she did run a little bit faster than uh, than the boys did, um, and looked well in hand throughout. Uh, you know, she's. I was surprised that people thought there was going to be a pace battle there. And, and this is kind of a theme of a couple of these races. Hmm. I just don't know what people are thinking because this isn't like 1990. This isn't like the first Breeders' Cup where guys were willing to throw it down. When there's a three to five shot, people take back. They just do. They just, they're not aggressive. And especially in these big money races, a lot of times, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the classic, of course, later, but, um, you know, I, I just don't think that there was any intent 
on either of the connections of the other two horses to actually challenge this filly and press her um, early in the race. (laughs) And right. I mean, you know, that's, that's kind of the point I made in the classic is that one horse just is faster than the other ones. And, uh, but you know, I thought she ran really well and apparently they haven't listened to my, my derby plea (laughs) as the Oaks is still, uh, still the uh the plan and i I guess she's going to go to the fairgrounds and train down there but uh certainly she'll be unanimous selection for two-year-old philly champion and uh, a deserved one absolutely i mean i I mean she's been running faster (laughs) than everybody else why not try her at, at, at the big one yeah, we'll we'll see how it plays out, especially considering that uh, uh, the juvenile winner's not eligible <laughs> currently, unless he unless he goes to somebody else, right? Uh, yeah, but he's got to earn points too, and I, I don't know who knows. It, it's kind of a bizarre situation, but uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, do you have anything else to add about Echo Zulu? No, she was spectacular. Yeah. Just- stellar just did did everything that you know she's like that dennis green gif she was what what we thought she was yeah she really was um and gunrunner uh her sire is uh off to a rousing start first year first champion pretty uh pretty solid he's had a lot of good runners and he um you know to me he kind of looks i think he's standing for a hundred a quarter and he's bag sold out so uh Right now, I think people are thinking, "Hey, this might be the next uh, into mischief," and and the gun runners should figure to go a little bit further than than into mischiefs, which you know make it a mile and an eighth, and occasionally the good ones, authentic, made it a mile and a quarter. But uh, but anyways, uh, pressing on to the juvenile turf sprint, um, and I just don't have much to say about this race other than you know Wesley Ward. I mean, what else can you say? And, <laughs> He beats himself in these races, but uh, he, he's just uh, he's just dominating. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's really you know he's he's locked in. He's he owns that so-called division. Um, I, I, it it'd be hard pressed for anybody to beat him at any time, like I, I, in the foreseeable future, unless somebody has just like a freakazoid of a horse that. You know, it's just Golden Pal esque, which you know obviously can't happen. But it's like you know he he knows what he's doing. He he's he's got the horses that like the turf and and just can run fast. You know, one of his big advantages when he went to Europe, and he had figured it out pretty early, was that American gate horse American horses leave the gate faster, a lot faster for the most part, and it was kind of like a head start. And the funny thing is that at this point, um, with him being pretty much the of all the really big trainers, he is the one that points um, the two-year-olds, you know, getting them ready early. Uh, most of the other bigger trainers just aren't in a hurry with their horses. So that's kind of like you said, it's his domain. And um, But his horses are breaking so fast, they're outbreaking the American horses too. I mean, it's not just like, all right, you have American gate speed versus European gate speed. Now they're just 
bolting to the lead <laughs> or you know they're, they're running away from the other american horses so it's uh that's what makes that that race that golden pal had in, <laughs> over in england at ascot just so puzzling like yeah happened i mean i i guess he he kind of went a little sour a little bit i mean even the race before uh saturdays wasn't all that great at least not early and then he kind of straightened out but he was just lights out turf sprints are like the bane of my existence i I can't figure them out and i don't think i ever will that's just the way it goes um pizza bianca you talk about a stellar ride yeah the rider made all the difference in that race you know that was a situation where the the turf at del mar you could close but you couldn't go wide you had to stay within a couple paths of the rail. Otherwise, you were just getting flung out to no man's land. And Jose Ortiz did a great job of of just giving the Philly a chance, not getting too far behind, and then you know resisting the temptation to just kind of swing wide and just picked his way uh, through the field and, and, and got up. And, uh, I mean, I needed the horse on the lead to hold on at 30 to 1. Um, you, and, me, and everyone else, my friend. But uh, I, I got to give him credit. Uh, amazingly enough, that was Chris Clement's first Breeders' Cup win. Uh, certainly a, a nice, a nice win, and with his type of horse, um, you know, it's a uh, Bobby Flay owns. It's a homebred. Uh, it, it's interesting enough, even though it is a North American bred, it's by a European stallion out of a Galileo mare. So there is all kinds of uh, uh, you know, breeding that suggests um, it wouldn't be surprising if if you put a GB or an IRE next to that filly's name, but uh, but she ran really well, and, and I mean, I, I just uh, everybody kind of ran from her because Rosario chose the Delacour horse on the outside. Um, you know, he, he's basically Clement's main guy, you know, and. And uh, Jose picked them out up and, and, and did great and, and won the race for him. I mean, a lot of times, you know, like we talk about jockeys and we complain about their bad rides, but uh, there are times when, when they do such a good job that they, they won the race. And I mean, at least in my opinion, with another jockey, he, he probably doesn't get up. Nope. You are right. Yeah, uh, I, I agree 1000%. The rider made the difference there. <clears throat> Uh, the juvie got completely changed. Everything got flipped upside down when the night before the race, uh, we found out that Jack Christopher from the rail was going to scratch, not only because he's a extremely talented horse, um, but because he was also the challenging speed to Mr. Baffert's trio. Uh, so once he was out, uh, Corniche just seemed like it was going. He was going to send out from post twelve or post eleven, I guess, after the scratch. And he kind of had a, <laughs> his entry mates to run a little bit of interference for him. And um, I the mean, rest he, of history. He, <laughs> he, ran, he ran okay. I mean, it wasn't like he went yeah, slow or went real fast. It wasn't that great. I didn't think it looked the part. You know, it just didn't look. It wasn't flashy. He kind of did what he had to do. You know, he went to the lead, kind of eased him back a little bit. Mike Smith did a good job. 
and then uh, he kind of let him run and he held on. It wasn't like it wasn't like an amazing sort of performance, but he won. It was like a workmanlike yes. race. I, I don't think the field was very good. No, yeah, I don't. I, I don't think the field was very good either. That's why I was kind of surprised that it wasn't a little bit more flash. But he was coming out of the twelve hole to begin with, and you know, I don't know. I I I didn't. I wasn't really enthusiastic about it. You know, I wasn't like, wow, this horse is really damn good. You know, I think he's okay. Yeah, I agree. And it, it was odd that a, a juvenile would have an 11 horse field and really not have much speed in there. Um, they're, they're really, I mean, most of the horses uh, <laughs> were horses that came from off the pace. Um, and, and our, you know, the one I liked, the, the maiden, the, the uh, Pletcher's, he was done in as soon as Jack Christopher was scratched because I remember even saying to you, I said, like, the whole complexion of the race changes and he's not going to be able to sit and make that run as he has. Um, well, he, the first time he got wiped out and he wound up sitting by circumstance, but his second race in the champagne, he sat and made a run. And with the pace scenario changing, he wound up three wide chasing. And I, I just don't think that's how, you know, command performance. I just don't think that that's really how he wants to run. So um, no. And, and the pace wasn't lightning fast. No. They weren't really going that quick, and he had a lot of things against him. He he ran okay though. I I, I wouldn't downgrade yeah. him off that performance. It's just you know the the race dynamics changed a lot in the race shape, so it, he it was against him, and he still ran pretty decent. Yeah, I sure wouldn't want to hook up with him in a maiden race, going a mile on a sixteenth, backwards and still win. Yeah, he's 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 a pretty good horse. Um. You know, the, the whole Baffert thing, uh, interesting enough, kind of hung over this Breeders' Cup going in. <laughs> um, you know, that was kind of the uh, – Frank Vespi had, had me on his show, and he said to me, like, you know, what's your big story in this Breeders' Cup? I said, but the big story is Baffert. You know, he's got a contender in the Classic. Uh, he's got a, a contender in the two-year-old race. He's got Gamine, who, who looks like, you know, she's three to, three to five, four to five to, to – um, defender title and you know we had all this extra security we had the whole debate whether he should run uh, I said it's just you know the, the awkwardness of hey if you wins the dista or the uh, the juvenile <laughs> his horses aren't earning any money towards the, um, the derby and then e- even when it happened KentuckyDerby.com puts up hey, congratulations to Juvenile Winter Cornish. My God, I you know, see. You know, looking forward to the Derby. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> Maybe the Ohio Derby, but not the Kentucky Derby. Um, uh, so it, it was, you know, it, it's an awkward situation um, that is going to be, I mean, ramped up as we hit the winter. And we get into the actual derby preps, the real derby preps, not the two-year-old derby preps, but the real derby preps. Um, it, it's just going to be kind of wild to see what happens. And uh, I mean, I, I made a tweet right after he won. I said, you know, are they installing him as the future book favorite for the Preakness? Because uh, I think he's allowed to run there. But... <laughs> <sighs> it's just uh, it's a weird scenario. And little did we know. 
<laughs> Little did we know that everybody pretty much would have forgotten about that by the time the next race ended, which wound up capping off Breeders' Cup Friday with the fans booing unmercifully. Um, they are booing at the track? They were booing loud. I didn't hear it. And you got to remember... This is the bow tie caviar crowd that was paying three, the four, five hundred dollars for tickets. This wasn't the, you know, the the aqueduct specials. Yeah, the, uh, it wasn't the, <laughs> the guys that are going to throw a trash can over the rail. You know, <laughs> like uh, this is it, it, it was probably a, a, a kinder, gentler crowd, right, because uh, of the circumstances. But I have to tell you that. Uh, I was, and I'm still just appalled at the arrogance and the ineptitude of the California Horse Racing Board and its its people. Like, what the hell are these people doing? I mean, they're compounding the issue. And and we don't. If if we need to explain this, what had happened to you? Uh, you, you missed it. <laughs> you're you're actually better off. You probably should have. Fast forward to later because it's just going to get you pissed off. Um, but, you know, it's not only that a mistake was made because mistakes do happen. We do get that. Yes, mistakes happen. But we can't let that be the model. And certainly when the two horse flipped over in the gate, with a hood on his head, and, and I, I'm not even going to get into the gate crew because that's a difficult job, and they have horses. They're not familiar with these horses, and they might have went to the gate one time in, in preparation, and it, it, it's it's a very, very tough spot for them, especially in these 14-horse races. In California, four, uh, you know, 14 uh, horses is usually like the pick four, you know, total. So they're going to have guys who are maybe not as experienced working the gate as well. Uh, they don't have 18 guys that work the gate there on a regular basis. At least don't I don't believe to. they would have, they wouldn't need to. Um, so it happens. Horses flip horses, do crazy stuff. I mean, this happens. It's, 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 that's something that we just can't ever like eliminate because horses are going to do what they're going to do. Uh, and when Albahar, flipped over it just triggered uh, a chain reaction of events that just uh, I mean they're almost hard to believe that this is the way it was handled um, you know I understand it's chaotic in the event of a horse flipping over and the assistant starter being hurt though. He wasn't hurt badly. He did have to go to the hospital. And I, I believe came back and worked the next day. And believe me, that's a tough job, man. That, 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 is, a, that is a tough job. Um, but once that happened, everything that was done after that was wrong. And instead of admitting this and just like saying, Hey, we're not going to say anything until we figure out what happened which would have been better than what they did, which was have an emergency meeting, supposedly contentious meeting between Breeders' Cup officials and Delmar officials and racing board officials and, 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 and the stewards and the vets and all this. <laughs> I, I mean, all they did was screw it up worse. Um, 
and and a lot of people want to like say hey well geez you know they're going to put new protocols in and they're going to do this and this won't happen again but well that's crap that's crap you no, know what what the protocols we all knew it was a problem we all knew it was a problem like years ago you know what i mean if they were gonna intending on doing something they would have did it by now this is the third issue at the breeders cup now obviously one of them was was not at, in in California. That was Life at Ten. But this is the third issue of. Uh, I mean, you could even take Quality Road and put him in there mm-hmm. uh, when they weren't able to load him in the gate. He happened to be a gate scratch, which was in California. And like I said, sometimes horses are just that unruly, and there's just nothing you can do. But everything that was done. Remember, the protocols changed after the debacle at Santa Anita with Mongolian Groom running. Mongolian Groom should have never been in that race. No. And we change protocols, but this is what we have. You had one vet who made a call, despite having a team of vets on call there. There's a team of vets behind the gate, but one person makes a unilateral decision to scratch a horse, and he broke the California rule by doing so. The rule is there's no uh, rule is uh, horses scratch if they break through the gate. That's not the rule. The rule says they can be. After they are examined by the veterinarian, which did not happen until after the veterinarian called the stewards to scratch the horse. Right. Why he, the horse wasn't um, examined? We had we, we, we heard an excuse from the executive director of the California Racing Board kind of insinuating that, oh, it was going to be too dark and we had to get the race run. Oh, come on now. Well, what if the two got stuck under the gate? Right. You'd, you'd have to wait. Anyway. Yeah, what if what if uh, uh, he, he was seriously injured or, or what if the, the assistant tra- starter was seriously injured? Right. They, maybe they had to move the gate or something. And, and right. And it was going to be a, a 20 minute delay or or more. I mean, that's not an excuse. Oh, it was getting dark. Seriously. <laughs> so you have a horse that flips over. And he flips towards the three, not towards the one. And somehow or another, the one gets scratched because the assistant starter opened the gate to let the horse through to get him away from the two who's under the gate. And when a horse is, un- is under there and they're scrambling, their legs are going everywhere, you're, you just want to get everybody else away because you don't know where they're going to go. You don't know what's going to happen. I mean, it's a scary thing. If you, I mean, I know most people haven't been around a flipped over in the gate but believe me it's a scary thing it happens in the mornings too believe me um it's not just an afternoon thing so they didn't examine the horse which makes no sense especially if you have a team of veterinarians back there there's not just one guy so why is one person making the decision and the stewards went ahead and they scratched the horse without finding out if there was a consensus about the horse or without finding out if the horse had been examined. And everybody wants to give the stewards a pass. But they're the ones that, that, that actually make the scratch. Right. I was going to say they're the ones that make the call because all they had to do was say, hey, radio down there and say, hey, why don't you check that horse again before we make any scratches, any more yeah, scratches? Because hey, he was already hey, out. We're, we're about to scratch the favorite in the Breeders' Cup uh, to, like a two million dollar race, um, double you know, check. He's got, he's got million dollars bet on him. 
Uh, are you sure? Is is there something wrong with him? Are you, you know, have, have we doubled and triple checked to make sure that, you know, there's actually something wrong with the horse that the horse shouldn't be competing? And no, there was nothing wrong with the horse. So essentially there. they scratched a horse who was the favorite for a Breeders' Cup race that had shipped from England to California to compete. And there was nothing wrong with the horse. So then. They come up with this 1974 rule, which supposedly hadn't been used since 1974. First money and uh, all of a sudden, the horse is unscratched. And he actually goes back in the pools, open back up for five minutes. Yeah, I saw it because I was like, you know, I was sitting there on my phone, um, you know, with the ADW open. And I saw the horse go away. Then I saw it come back and I was like, wait. Is he scratched or is he not scratched? <laughs> I was, I was sitting there gonna, I was gonna pile on more money. Well, it, it, and it gets, it gets worse. So then we find out after they re-scratched the horse and then declared he was going to run for purse money only. Then we find out, and, it, and this was today, and 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 props to CJ for uh, CJ Johnson for for actually pointing this out. If you bet on track. You could change. They have alternates. You can put an alternate in. Mm -hmm. in so now, now we find out we have rules that the majority of the customers aren't allowed to play with. Only these certain customers are allowed to play with in the same pool in the same race. So some people can get an alternate and the rest of us, well, you know. <laughs> F off. <laughs> right. And the tow companies, don't forget, you know who owns the tow companies, right? The tracks. Tracks. So... You would have thought a racetrack would have said, hey, we have the capability regulatorily wise to do this. So why don't we uh, make it so our customers, number one, we don't have to refund money. And number two, um, in some cases, and number two, we can have uh, an alternate so that they don't get stuck with the post time favorite, which is about, you know, one of the, the dumbest things. You're just giving people the favorite because there's no other way of of, of of determining who the person would want because there's no alternates. Well, that's it's, the thing. It's like, you know, so if you, if you bet with cash with the, with the, the card, the punch card, but everybody else, the 97% of people that aren't doing that don't have that option. Well, it's a win-win for everybody. If they're, you know, if that technology is out there and available and, and, and being used, um, there's no downside to having the alternates. <laughs> so why None. wouldn't you put it in place? None. Why wouldn't you, you spread the wealth and, and, and bring it to the masses? Because racing doesn't care about it. That's why. Clearly, yeah. I mean, I don't care. It's all lip service. It's all there's lip no service. downside to that. There's no downside. I, 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 I trust me, I, I tried to look at it another way and i was like well there's no way that that can be a bad thing because you're gonna make the selection that you want there's no way in hell i wanted that three horse of course not i, I, I no. didn't use i i had i can't believe that horse was full, full disclosure i was live in the pick four the one and the two those were my two horses they were the key horses for me for the day and uh, i i thought the morning line was ridiculous it was it was a ridiculous morning line uh the, the 14 being favorite was crazy went off like 11 to 1 or 10 to 1 something like that with the scratches um the one was going to be the favorite the two i think was going to be the second second choice, choice yeah. yeah so having them at six to one and five to one it was was nuts and then yeah we talked about that on our show too yeah. 
I recall, and, and you know, like this idea that we have to have the morning lines made before the post position draws. I mean, come on, stop, 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 stop. We're drawing the races like five days ahead, four days ahead. Right. Give it, give it 20 minutes. You could, you could do that in 20 minutes to, to rearrange that, you know, exactly. for every race, not just that. Right. One. I mean, that one race would have taken you about five minutes. Less. Right. But having a bad morning line because of post positions is, is just, it's silly. There's no, there's no need to, to get that out as so especially, you know, you're drawing 14 races. I mean, it's just uh, crazy, but of course, you know, everybody knows the story. And one's allowed to run. And of course, because it's Charlie Appleby and, and William Buick, the horse won. Um, Easy. Not only did he win, he won pretty Which, of course, just confused the hell out of everyone. So you have people there that have bet the one that now don't understand why the one just won the race. Yet they're not cashing on the one because their ticket's a loser. and uh, Or they've been refunded. And now the four is the winner. It's just, you know, I mean, how many times have we made that statement about the stewards and that it feels like they're taking money out of your pocket when they make bad decisions? I mean, this, this literally this was the, the pinnacle of that notion. <laughs> it really was. I mean, it couldn't get any worse. And then you needed the three to finish second in order to win. You know, explain that to somebody who just showed up at the track this one day. They ended the race by booing. <laughs> booing. Rightfully so. I mean, I, you know, I'm usually the, the you know, I, I don't like to, to jump down anybody's throat on anything. But this is clearly a huge problem. It's always been a problem. Yet, you know, in 2021, it's still a problem. And then we have... The press conferences and the pro the the, 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 the PR releases, Oof. which the first one is the CHRB today finally admitted that they uh, either you know intentionally lied to cover it up, or they uh, you know are Inept. wildly incompetent right. because they claimed that the one started the whole chain reaction <clears throat> by rearing up and hitting the back of the gate, but that never happened. I didn't see that. It didn't happen. That's why it didn't. Uh, you didn't see it because it never happened. And they actually came out today and admitted so that the, that horse had never um, reared up because in the post race press conference, Buick was asked and he said, "No, the horse was perfect. He didn't do anything. Even when the other horse, uh, you know, flipped over, he, he he was fine. And and we just went through the front of the gate to get away from the horse, not because of anything he he did. I wasn't going to ask him that. And, and did they think that there wasn't people? There wasn't going to be people that, that were going to have videos. Right. Everyone has video. Everything. It, it, it's it's a race that's about to go off on national television. You don't think that someone out there has got a cell phone video, or, or it's just nuts to think that they were going to get away with that. They lied. If they didn't lie, they're they're just incompetent. I mean, they made it up. They made it up. And then, then, then you have the executive director out there basically saying, oh, well, there's too many chefs that, oh, oh, because, you know, you guys did such a great job that, uh, you know, with, with Mongolian groom, like, you, you know. Huh. CHRB, these people are, 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 are nuts. They, they act like they're doing good. They're horrible. They're disgraceful. I mean, if it wasn't for the New Jersey Racing Commission, uh, 
they'd be the worst. Oh, it's amazing in this business. Tough. It's, it's, a, tough it's, Terry, it's amazing in this business that the, the, the CHRP <clears throat> got props for actually addressing the issue. Like we've come to that point in this business where a, coming out and lying to us is, is like, well, at least they, they had something to say. And well, Roxy 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 first, though. They, they lied to us first. Roxy Roxborough put out a, a, a tweet today in, in response to something Pat Cummings was, was saying about, you know, today's admission of of the the lie that uh, you know he preferred the old days, the maximum security days when the racing officials went home uh and 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 uh you know got their got their shit together before they came back and lied the next day <laughs> i mean <laughs> this is a cover up an attempt at a cover up and everybody's at fault everybody's well, at who fault who thought here. that was a good idea you know to, other than to say what happened i mean okay fine you you need to put out a statement but whose idea was it that, you know, oh, we'll just say that the, the one started the whole thing or I don't understand where that comes into play. Like, why would you even go there? Why not just say what happened and be like, all right, well, yeah, we kind of messed up and, you know, that's our bad. I, I mean, I, I could take that on the initial statement rather than making two, three statements. We have a team of veterinarians behind the gate for the Breeders' Cup. A team. So this wouldn't happen. So there'd be other eyes on, on the The guy scratched the horse before the horse was examined. It was a vet scratch. It wasn't a... a, a how, how, do you, how do you vet scratch a horse without examining them? <laughs> it happened to me. Honestly, it happened to me at, at Gulfstream. I had a horse that, that broke away from the jock and ran about 10 feet. And got corralled, and the steward scratched him. And uh, I was, you know, that that they scratched him with, without even having the, the the vet look at the horse. And um, I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> yeah, they got an earful that day too. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, the vet who made the call to scratch the whole the favorite in a Breeders' Cup race before examining him. Needs to be fireball offense. Needs, needs to be fired, yeah. or, re, or, or 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 worse, reassigned to like Fresno Fair and make them work like security or something. The stewards should be reprimanded for scratching the favorite. They're responsible. They're responsible. You scratch the favorite without hearing from the other vets, and then what was the deal with the screwing up with the mutual department? Are we just going to blame the mutual department? So everybody, it's everybody, but and and, and this idea that. That the vets, the vets are part of the CHRP. Don't tell me, oh, the CHRP just got information. The vets work for you. They're not. They're not uh, outside people. They're under your um, umbrella when they're working at, at these tracks. They're they're on your team. The stewards should be reprimanded. The executive director should be removed because his staff was not properly trained. The protocols certainly didn't work. And, and, and his attempts to cover up this whole thing are amateurish and, and uh, irresponsible and actually make it where how can you believe anything that these people said when they're trying to lie to you right in front of our own eyes? Well, how can we how, how can we believe what they say about something that we don't see ourselves? Well, I get the feeling that 
if you brought this situation up, let's say, you know, Wednesday before the Breeders' Cup, if you brought a situation to each and every one of those people, you would get different answers on how each, how they would handle it and who they needed to go to or what would happen. And that's totally wrong. It's like almost like, you know, when, when I was in college playing basketball, we used to do situations, situational game situations at the end of games, just so we know what we were doing. So the, the, the situation would come up or something similar. We'd be able to make the play, run the play that we needed to in order to get the job done. But I have a feeling that if you asked all those people involved about this situation, like, hey, if this happens, what do you do? You get different answers from each one of them. Because there's no training. There's no there's no there's no proper protocols. Everything is, is half assed in this business. And it sucks. And, and that's why when people say, oh, well, you know, we're going to take steps. To... Listen, it's not the rules. It's not the regulations. It's the people. In a lot of ways, and, I, and I'm not commenting on this situation directly in this this way, but a lot of times a lot of people are underpaid in this business. Um, of these jobs aren't really that desirable. You know as well as I do, as, as you've seen some of the job openings and what they pay, not just in regulation, but in mm-hmm. the racing industry itself. If you're not a, 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 an exec, then you're probably not making very much money. I mean, Naira's trying to hire someone to to, to do the timing and they want to pay him $30,000 a year. And it's, a, it's a shocker that they, they can't get races timed. And now, and Delmar had problems with their timer. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like I said, mean, the job at uh, the fairgrounds opened up, you know, the on air host and then that. It's kind of disingenuous when they're they're out here boasting about handle numbers and this, that and, you know, wagering's up. And so why not invest it into the, the game itself, into the, the people that work for you to, to, to bring the better quality? It only makes sense. But here we are, you know, it's, it's crazy. But you have underqualified people. You, you know, you have people that don't have the proper motivation. Maybe they're under, or they're they feel they're underpaid and they're overworked. And I don't know any of these people in, involved in this situation personally. It's not personal. Not none of that's personal. No. But we can't just have mistakes made again and again and again and again and again and again and again. Well, on the biggest stage too. That that that's the other thing that that you know you can't downplay. It's like. This is our moment, you know, <laughs> this is, this is what we, you know, this is the, the top of the sport other than Derby day. This was the biggest day. You know what I mean? Um, Stewards are willing to, to find Florentino $5,000. Five G's. Because according to them, he struck the, his mount. She dares the devil seven times instead of the limit of six times. That's five thousand dollars for a horse that got beat sixteen lengths. Not, not he didn't do it to gain an advantage. He he wasn't beating her up. You have to look at the head on. You have to look at the eighteen angles to try to count. <laughs> and if they want to find a guy, what they normally find them right, fine. It's stupid, but fine. The rule's stupid. You know they crow about the rule, but it's stupid. Week before the Breeders' Cup uh, in Del Mar, the San Diego, uh, the, but the part of the Democratic Party head comes out and says that we need to get rid of Del Mar and, and, and the CHRB. So guess what? Your rules, all your rule changes that you, you did to appease the, the people, guess what? They're not appeased. They don't give a shit. 
it's idiot it's idiotic to think that that if if a jockey hits a horse seven times instead of six that some um something magical like yeah everybody's gonna like freak out oh my god they're abusing horses like it's just so silly but to find a guy five thousand dollars for that when, when your incompetency cost the how much the, the day millions. before millions how much the day before millions it's a joke it's a joke We've said this. This has been a theme of our program for a long time. Regulatory screw-ups, whether it's steward screw-ups, whether it's stupid rules, whether it's poorly enforced rules, whether it's poorly, uh, whether rules are ignored. Or, I mean, it's just how many times do we wind up talking about this? Too some, much. Listen, we, knew, and we, knew, Twitter, we kind of predicted this. Name, but he's, talking, he's telling me today that racing is very well, is, is regulated very well. I'm thinking to myself, what? Are you nuts? <laughs> what? We have Angel Hernandez in every single steward stand. <laughs> Major League Baseball has one Angel Hernandez. Out of, out of uh, what, 75 umpires or whatever they have? 100 umpires, 150 umpires? They got one guy who everybody knows his name because he stinks. We got him all over the place. We kind of predicted this. We said it was going to come back to, to, to haunt a while ago, months ago. Listen, the money, you know, listen, it was, a, it was a decent chunk of change that it cost me. But I'm not complaining just because nah. of that. Yeah, no, I get it's it. Not, it's not some life-changing score. Listen, if this was like $100,000. Yeah, we'd be fighting. Oh, we would have. Uh, everyone associated would have would have been missing by now. <laughs> people people would have just like lost their damn minds. You know? It wasn't like the, this is the the last leg of a pick six and it cost somebody one hundred fifty thousand or five hundred thousand or a million or something like that. But it could be, it yeah. Could like, be. We don't know that for sure. <laughs> it could, it could happen. But everybody wants the business as usual. It, and I know this wasn't really the Breeders' Cup's fault, but the the press release they re- they put out really kind of was like, hey. Jesus, sorry it happened, but hey, you know, it's not really us. Talk to the racing board. They're, they're the ones that are at fault. And like I said, the Breeders' Cup really doesn't, you know, they're, they're not the regulators. They yeah. have their rules and they have extra people, and which is all good. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. No matter what Scott Cheney says, it's good. His people aren't good enough and he isn't good enough. Because they obviously keep making mistakes. I'm sick of hearing about uh, how all people try and that. I don't care about that. It's, it's 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 embarrassment. It's a freaking embarrassment. It's an embarrassment on national television in our quote unquote championships, and we can't even get the Breeders' Cup to come out and say, "Hey, listen, this was a big screw up, and um, we're going to make it up to you guys." We, we haven't quite figured out what happened. We're in the middle of our championship event. This is our big year. We spend 364 days a year preparing for this, but we're going to make it up to you, even though it's, you know, uh, a, a, a mistake. You know what I mean? Right. That's that's it. I mean, that's what, what people are, are kind of looking for. And it it's not even the fact that, you know, what happened happened. I mean, I, I think horse players are forgiving in that way. Um, but it's just... You know the 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 finger pointing and the not wanting to take responsibility is 
is kind of a bridge too far and and that's where people get turned off i mean this is this is just uh, nothing ever gets done you know what we do we wind up spending a lot of time talking about bullshit about how many times a jockey can strike or upper hand or overhand or or lasix or or Not some other nonsense and and actual rules like, hey, why don't we modernize the tote system and allow people not to have to take a horse they don't want to take and cost them thousands and thousands or tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars? How hard can it be? This isn't this is 2021. This is 2021. If I can make a video on my phone with moving text on characters in a movie. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they can figure out how to make it so people can have an alternate selection. Absolutely, but it's not a priority. When there's a scratch or something crazy happens. It's not a priority. Right, and that, that's, that's why you know it increasingly frustrates me because there's no excuse for it at this point. There probably wasn't an excuse for it five years ago, maybe even 10 years ago. But it was just the complacency in the oh well this is how we've always done it that's not gonna that's not gonna work it's not gonna work even if you go on FanDuel I was playing fantasy football this weekend and there was a guy I wanted to use that was kind of questionable whether he was gonna play and as soon as they, as soon as they found out the 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 injury report came in that he was out I got an alert on my phone you need to change your guy or you're going to get stuck with no points. And you can swap him out. Bang, bang, done. We rolling. I mean, it's not that difficult. Even, even Stable Duel has something like that when there's a scratch and you can make an alternate. Albeit it, it's a little different because it's a tournament kind of situation. But at least they they acknowledge that that can happen and they have something in place to do something else i don't understand why in paramutual with all the all the the money involved and everything it's just a win win for everybody if you could do that and i don't understand why they just don't want to pet cummings did a, a story this this um the summer uh, a 12 part or i guess late spring early summer about uh wagering security and how it's not secure even after the pick six scandal it's like almost 20 years ago yeah it was secure for what the the six and, months after that and then and, and you know what we found you know we found out there on monday that the <clears> horse <throat> that scratch can be unscratched because it happened there were horse they were take betting on the race on the horse after he was already scratched and we were always told that couldn't happen but all because of the tote system but guess what he was back in the pools and people he were betting on him. They put him right back in. So that's another lie. How many times can they lie to you? I mean, are we all so, such, uh, you know, beaten down, low self-esteem people that we can't walk away from this sport? Oh, a lot of people have. And we keep thinking, oh, record handle, record handle, record handle. Computers, computers, computers. And I don't care. Anybody tells me, oh, well, oh, well, oh, well. Oh, well, what? Oh, well, what? Oh, well, what? 
competition's coming. New York's online now. Florida's online. Florida's online now. Yeah, Trust me, I coming. downloaded the app this, the same day I found out it's it was live within coming. hours. <laughs> more and more. Our, our three biggest states by handle are Florida, New York, California. And two of them are now going to have sports wagering as well. New Jersey you can make up all the excuses you want about New Jersey racing. And, They're laying and, it in in the sports arenas. And, and, and the handle on New Jersey racing is plummeting. And the handle on sports betting in New Jersey is through Sky the roof. Sky high, man. A billion a month. Crazy. Okay? Insane. So keep believing. Keep believing that this is a healthy industry. Keep believing that. Keep believing it. Hear that train? That mm-hmm. train? That, that's sports betting. It's coming. Oh, man. <laughs> it's coming. It's already here. It's on my phone. Place like New York, they didn't even want. They, they, they threw a, a curveball at us by by allowing uh, racing to be on the same platform as sports betting. It's now you're paramutual. You're different. So you can't be on the same platform. Of course, nonsense. They could have just passed an addendum to the regulation <laughs> that they used. But they didn't want to. You know why? Because at some point they're going to get rid of us. And that's just all there is to it. That's just all there is to it. And uh, I mean, yes, uh, you know, they're not, it's not, the world doesn't stop and it doesn't come to an end. And, and people still showed up Saturday and they still bet and they still bet yesterday and they still bet Finger Lakes today. Mike McAdam, you're the band. <laughs> pictures from the finger legs today but um it's it's like we, you know you said it i think a couple of weeks ago it's death by by a million little cuts you know and this is a this is like a, a big cut. wound cut this is a big and cut. if nothing happens here and i don't bet much at california anyways and if i were to race horses i would not go to california would be like the last place i would go But CHRB is doing a terrible job. And the irony is they think that they're like leading the way. And if nothing comes of this, if no one has to be, no one is held responsible for this, then the state of California is really showing its hand in that they just don't give a shit. And at some point, unfortunately, all the naysayers and all the chicken littles are going to be right. I mean, it's just. And everybody wants, you know, not everybody, but so many people in this business, in the business, want to like just say, uh, you know, put it in the past because that's what we've done. That's what we do. We put things in the past. We move on. We grind ahead because that's, that's a 365 day a year sport on the, on the backside. There's no off days on the front side. Um, you know, from a gambling standpoint, there's there's maybe not many off days because most tracks are operating some other sort of wagering as well as racing. So, and just uh, I just can't believe they're lying and and, and they're not going to be punished. Yeah, there 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 should be some sort of recourse here or some. Some sort of reprimand, something, something official. 
that that's not going to be tolerated, whether it's, a, you know, suspension firing. I don't know. I don't know what they can do, what what's in their scope. But it, it, it just can't go unaddressed. It shouldn't. And, and, it, and one of the real weaknesses this sport has is that we lost all our mainstream um, coverage. We lost the Stephen Christ's, the Andy Byers, the guys who, who worked for uh, newspapers, and they didn't work in media. And this is not a criticism of the people who are working in media and racing now. But most of them are working for a group or an organization that is not independent of this business. Therefore, they have to be careful as to what they say. And that's one of the great things about us is <laughs> we're pretty much independent. So we right. We're, we're not, not, we're not part of the system. Right. And it's, it's unbecoming for an industry to not have that, that checks and balances of um, being exposed in the mainstream media. And if Stephen Christ and Andy Byer were still working for, uh, and, and, and I just use those two guys because those are the ones I'm most familiar with. But there's a lot of other other, other you know great turf riders uh, as well. If if this had happened on their watch, they would have absolutely gone it's nuts. The boys, yeah. And uh, I mean, I'm just like, you know. I mean, just think about how non-mainstream Stephen Crystal <laughs> he went out and started his own own uh, past performance newspaper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just like, yeah, f you guys, we'll, we'll do it ourselves. Influential things that, that that are still used to this day that were groundbreaking. I mean, oh, my Ernie, dad, our man Ernie was there, man. But um, all right. Well, we talked enough about that. Yeah. That's all I got to say about that. We're 52 minutes into the show and we barely talked about, we haven't talked about anything about having Saturday. Day two. We didn't even talk about day two. All right. Uh, let's see. I've been against Gamine since Saratoga. I was right. And I had a minor league hit only because I kind of went all in on Bella Sophia, who ran a right. I mean, she ran a race. She pressed Gamine like she's supposed to. She's a speed horse. Speed horse is supposed to speed. Show speed, uh, but I gotta I gotta give props to Whitey McCarthy because he had his filly ready, and he wasn't scared. Mm-hmm. He, you know, had this race circled for a long time. He went down to Gulfstream and uh, won the Prentice Rooney, the win and you're in down there. Um, and the seven eight really suits his filly, and, and she was she was very good. And, uh, you know, she got a pretty good scenario in front of her, but hey, you know what? this field shouldn't have been five or six horses and one was a scratch by the vet. So it was, you know, wasn't, there was, you know, five other people willing to take a shot against this Philly, but this is why you don't run from one horse because these things happen. Horses like this get beat. Um, and in the other sprint race, it was another example of the same thing in that, uh, you know, you can't these races, you know, a lot of times you're passing up an opportunity and this was an opportunity for the closers. Um, I don't know whether they could have outkicked CC or not. Maybe they could have. Maybe they couldn't have. But the fact of the matter was, Gamine was ripe for the picking. She was this year. She was last year. She's a great Philly, one of the all-time great Philly sprinters. Uh, I know she's got controversy. I know she has tests. I know Baffert, blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, she is an immensely talented horse. But 
she had shown cracks in her armor this year and she wasn't one to be afraid of. Yeah. Um, I mean, that that's one of, one of my positives out of this whole weekend is, you know, I bet against the right favorites <clears throat> and played the, the two that I thought would win, which would be Echo Zulu and, and life is good. So that, that was a positive for me. Gammon was a huge play against, um, like you said, a minor score. Uh, probably, you know, if I bet better, I probably, you know, that was one of the, the negatives about the whole thing is I didn't bet good. Um, I didn't maximize profit as much as I should, especially on, on the opinions I had. But, you know, it's just like any other day at the track, you learn and, and, and you move forward. But, you know, uh, Gammine was definitely one that I just didn't want any part of. No, and we knew it a long time ago. And yeah, we knew it back in. It, it, it's frustrating when <laughs> when you can throw it, when you can toss the favorite, but because there's such a small field, it's like right. a typical. It's like a typical racing issue, you know. <laughs> like we don't usually have to <laughs> deal with that in the Breeders' Cup. Usually, if we can toss a Breeders' Cup favorite, we can get a live price. Get paid, right? Yeah. But uh, the other sprint, uh, Jackie's Warrior, was not good, and someone was saying, "Well, he got pressed." He the pressing no, wasn't, wasn't no. was not the issue. The the track no. was very fast. The fractions for him were not not nearly as fast as he's gone over different surfaces. Um, he just, he just threw out a dud. Yeah. He never looked like he did in any of his last few races where he looked completely under wraps. And, and, right, he didn't and, get any separation. It was no. Just... I mean, you watch the race of Philly. Of course, it was lesser horses, but even the race against Life Is Good in Saratoga. You know, Rosario does not panic on her on him, and he just kind of sits there. And um, you know, when he asked a question, the horse answered it. Um, the race before that, uh, the Amsterdam and Saratoga, when the horse went forty three and change, and just just drew off. He just didn't look like. Um, I mean, he, he got beat by the Japanese horse. He finished sixth. All right, he should be able to finish sixth in that race with me riding him. <laughs> He just wasn't right, and uh, for whatever reason, you know, Steve Asmussen did not do very well with his runners this weekend outside of, of Echo Zulu. Um, no, and he's, he hasn't been good for a while. Oh, he, he's, pretty he's, much since Saratoga. He, he's kind of he and well in the big leagues. He's won a lot of races in the in the, the B level tracks, but yeah. uh, you know his, his horses just uh, and, and listen. I wasn't a big fan of. I mean, I like Jackie's Warrior, obviously, and and, and I thought uh, Echo Zulu was a lock, but you know, I, I wasn't a big fan of Silver State. I don't think he's that good, anyways. And no, I didn't I... like Max Player at all. Uh, but but Jackie's Warrior just wasn't good. But I, I want to say that, um, and he's my friend, and and I and I'll you know admit it. Uh, but Wayne Catalano deserves uh, way more credit. As a, as a really, really good trainer than he gets. Um, the fact that Wayne Catalano and, and Wayne he wins is one a billion of the races. funniest right, guys you ever want to meet. And he's even got that kind of that, that wit about him that he can kind of like, you know, um, say something serious, but say it in a manner where, where it doesn't come across as, as, as uh, like, uh, you know, vapid or anything. Like, you know, the fact that he he's kind of 
lobbying to get horses because he's down on numbers. That was his fourth Breeders' Cup win. And he won That's one on the poly. Million. He won one on the turf. He won one on uh, two on the dirt. Four. A barn of his size to win four Breeders' Cup races. It, it just shows the, the, that, uh, you know, his, his ability uh, to get a horse ready for a race is is just uh up there with anyone and you know he's a funny like i said he's a funny guy and and he's a he's he's just a, a fun guy to be around um but he too he, he can cook he can definitely cook but uh you know uh, you know props to him for having that that horse ready i i, I bet on him in saratoga when rosario just got up in an allowance race I thought to myself man this my this horse is really talented but I was thinking Breeders' Cup mile with him. I was thinking, you know what, uh, this maybe he needs to go, um, you know, a li- another furlong. Not thinking that with his style, three quarters would would be enough. And he had him entered, I believe, in the Akak and scratched and went in the. Uh, or no, he, or, didn't he have? He had him in the the Phoenix. He ran him in the Phoenix and scratched the Akak. Yes. Um, which turned out to be a, a brilliant move as, as it had him set up perfectly. And, and Jose Ortiz, another like just got up. Um, and like Pompano Park, this is the only time Del Mar is going to be compared to Pompano Park. The outside horses are favorite in those, in, the, in, the, in that angle. Uh, yeah, on the, on the, uh, the photos. Yeah. Yeah. Outside horses. If it looks like a dead heat, the outside horse won. Um, Thankfully, CZ Rocket turned into a pumpkin, so I don't have to wear his T-shirt. Up to the yeah, both of our horses did, didn't run worth a damn. Didn't get a check. Imagine that. Uh, <laughs> either one of them. It wasn't exactly the uh, you know the second coming of, uh, of Dr. Fager in that race. But um, like I said, I, I was really happy for Wayne. And um, If you Maybe have some good horses, I own that send horse. them horses. The guy can train. And he's and he's and he can cook and and he's you know he's a triple threat guy. He's 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 a he's a good dude. So, um, uh, Golden Pal just like was shot out of a cannon and the race was over. And I don't even know like I, I don't even have anything else to say about that race other than I, I just give up on the turf sprints and I'm just betting Wesley from now on. I don't I'll just give up. Popped the gate and was gone. <laughs> Nobody saw anything but smoke. I mean, that, that was just like bang. Just uh, the the cow bread ran 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 good chasing, but uh, just didn't have enough. I mean, it, it was almost to a T what happened at Keeneland. The only difference was the post position. <laughs> yep. Uh, life is good. He 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 really. Dusted that. Uh, yeah, he's special, man. The Breeders' I, I, Cup Dirt Mile big ass fans optional eighty claimer that. That's <laughs> it's, it's really should be the Breeders' Cup optional eighty because that was not a great field. And, no, but, but the way he did it was. Uh, yeah, he was pressed and he he just went faster. <laughs> yeah, he just shrugged them off and 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 that was it. And uh, you could arguably say you could, uh, and have, uh, make a pretty good case that he's the most talented horse in training in America. Um, yeah, I can believe that. I mean, his unfortunate, uh, you know, injury early in the spring. I mean, remember, he was 
He dusted Mysterio's spirit. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> absolutely I, dusted that horse by open legs twice. Hey, I got fifth there. I got what I get forty to one on Medina Spirit. <laughs> I think it's forty to one because everybody thought life is good. Him and life is good were in the same league. I got forty one because no one thought he could beat life is good, and he probably couldn't have. Um, but it, it was a very prof- you know professional performance by him. Um. You know, Todd did a good job with the horse, and obviously it's 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 easier to do a good job with horses with immense ability, but there's still a lot of pressure with horses like him because you're expected to win. Uh, I, I know there was thought, talk after the Alan Jerkins that maybe he would try to make the classic, and, and I just never thought that was possible no, because it, it, it would be like a, a monumental task. Plus, the presence of Nick's go has to play a part in their mind, and they're going to say to themselves, we have a front runner. He is a front runner. He is not going to just concede the lead. And our horses is light on experience, and 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 they absolutely made the right choice. They went to the Kelso, um, which was you know a confidence builder, and had him perfectly prepped for this race. And it, it wasn't a great field. Um, that's it up for the meeting at the Pegasus, my friend. <laughs> but the uh, yeah, with with him now, kind of. Uh, Maybe using the Pegasus to, uh, to to leapfrog into the, the the Saudi Cup or maybe the Dubai Cup, depending on, on you know what the how everything plays out. And then the news today or yesterday that that uh, Nick's go was going to delay his stud career potentially to delay uh, by one race by running in the trying to to uh, repeat repeat in the in the Pegasus, and all of a sudden. You've got like maybe the, the best matchup in horse racing because when, I would have said before we that, have the a, best a matchup, matchup in horse like racing. When's the last time we had one? I, I would have said the best matchup in horse racing, horse horse versus horse, would have been life is good. Jackie's Warrior two, but as poorly as Jackie's Warrior ran the other day, you know a little bit of uh, bloom is off the flower, and you know he's he's probably going. You know he had a tough campaign. And, and he runs hard. He runs his heart out every time. So I'm, I'm sure he'll be going to the show for a little while. But I mean, Jackie's war, or excuse me, uh, life is good versus Nick's go at Gulfstream, going head and head. I mean, it doesn't get any better right now. Like you know, in the moment, Nick's go will be booked full. So. It's not going to affect his stud, you know, fee or stud performance at all. So he's got nothing to lose in that race. And his life is good. To life is good is 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 out to you know to, to to knock off the horse of the year. It's, I mean, it, it it's, you know, it's Ali Frazier. There's a long time before this happens, <laughs> but it's not a long time. In, in racing terms, it's so long. There's so many, yeah, oh yeah, so many things that can happen between now and then that uh, will throw that off. But that, that, I mean, is really something as depressing as racing can be, as disgusted as you can get at it. Sometimes um, that is a, a real war, and that is two dead front runners of immense quality matching up uh and and you have the newly turned four-year-old versus the the older horse i mean it's it's a uh, the potential is really for a great 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 race so not hopefully... to mention who else could show up in there, there there's like you know who else would would be in the field i mean 
you know, um, it well, potentially could be very good field. I, I don't know what the, the the plans are for um, some of the horses that kind of dropped off. Um, uh, Romberg, uh, I think he's back in training. Rombauer, excuse me. Uh, Mandolin certainly is is a, a horse that would be uh, uh, considered potentially maybe. Uh, Midnight Bourbon. Um, Hot Rod. Hot Rod Charlie, they, they didn't really seem to have any plans, but those horses are all coming back. And if you you, you take a look at, at uh, Life is Good, uh, Mandolin, Midnight Bourbon, uh, Medina Spirit, Hot Rod Charlie. It's a good group. It's a really, 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 it's way better than anything that we've seen in the last few years with uh, three-year-olds turning four. Yeah, that's um, sticking around. <laughs> we're, we're sticking around. I, I don't know if Jackie's Warriors coming back. I, I have, you know, there's been no stud plans. I don't think announced for him, right? So, if he comes back and and then Flightline uh, turns into something and yeah, uh, a couple, today, a couple so. of a couple of those other horses, you know, that that have, have, have you know flashed potential. Um, I mean, the four year old division might actually be a strong point, and and this year it was not. This is this was not a good group of four year olds. It just wasn't. I mean, our collector kind of came back from the dead. Max Player kind of came back from the dead, literally. Um, and and like, you know, what else? Uh, Nick's go obviously, but he'll be gone. But like, like who else really was there in that division this year? It just was not not a strong division. And uh, I mean, we've talked about the turf, and the turf is was not a strong division, and and, and um, either. But. Uh, uh, Space Blues, great ride. Appleby rode well. He was the best horse, and he won. Uh, I guess he's going to be retired, and you know we kind of hardly even knew uh, knew you, Space Blues. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he wasn't too flashy. He got the job done, but you know, you yep. know, expected. It was kind of boring. It, it wasn't a great field either. The, the, the turf races this year were, were kind of um, meh. I, and I, I thought the tur- I thought the Philly and Mare turf was was a strong race, and um. You know the Japanese horse loves uh, loves only you was the horse I liked in there. Yes, um, you did. You called that one. Um, she's been racing against the top horses in the world, not just fillies. And uh, her trainer is—I'm not going to try to pronounce his name—but the guy with the purple hat, Yahagi, right? That guy's sharp, man. <laughs> that guy is sharp. He yeah, knows his horses. He, he he preps them. He's got them. You know, he, he he's. The Japanese have always kind of, I think the word I, I saw today was they've always kind of looked inward to try to build their own program and not spend a lot of time sending horses overseas to these big events. But they won two. They're going to be back. And you're going to see them in Australia more. And you're going to see them in, in, in uh, um, Europe more. And they're a force because they've built their breeding program. Um, and they've bought a lot of a top American bloodstock. Um, Clearly. Love, I mean, look at, look at, uh, what's it? Jasper Great out of Arrogate. You know, they, they bought so many good mares. Um, they've spent a lot of time and it's money and, and, you know, Deep Impact's a great stallion. Sunday Silence before him was a great stallion. They're, they're spending the money to do it right. And, uh, I mean, Love's Only Use Third Dam is me-esque, <laughs> right? Like, it just doesn't get better than that. Um, it was it was interesting, though, that uh, you got Kuwata 
who's the rider of Loves Only You. It was so funny because everybody after the race was praising him for the great ride. And I was, I, I said right after the race, I said, you know, if he doesn't get through that hole, everybody's killing right, He's guy. the like, goat. Everybody's like, doing <laughs> And I, you know, I even commented about that. I was like, well, it looked like Jose kind of left the door open. <laughs> it, it, it I, I was surprised it, it, he didn't try to get closer to that horse to get a little more competitive. And, and he may have won it doing so, making, you know, the 14 go around. Um. <laughs> it, was, it, it definitely was hey if you win the race great right if you lose the race what are you doing you know but uh trashing the guy she was a deserved winner but you know he rode the race and i watched her the whole race because i you know i've been on her um but he rode the race to prevent ryan moore uh to keep ryan moore to his <laughs> outside on love yep. he had ryan moore outside the whole race and in the end that that was a difference. That, that extra ground made made it made a difference, and um, I'll be honest, Warlike Goddess ran huge. She ran really did. She really made a big. Move. I was surprised. Oh, surprised me. I, what I, a I move she made! I mean, a huge move against the track bias. Um, yeah, she whipped around there quick, and she and really ran. But then uh, you know, a length, uh, half a length of winning. If if you ran that race at Belmont, if you ran that race at Keeneland, if you ran that race on a on a track where you don't have to be, you know, within two or three paths from the rail to have any chance, she might have won the race. She she ran a really really good race, and uh, I mean, I, I'm not gonna kill Leperu for doing that. I mean, what else is he gonna do? That's what he's been doing with her. You're on the favorite. What are you gonna do? Like like try to come up the rail? I mean. In, in, a, in a huge field like that it's uh even with the fast pace i mean the pace was pretty quick but uh but that was really kind of cool to see the japanese win and and it's um i mean you can go take two different looks at it right you can look at it from the provincial the american viewpoint like crap all these guys are coming winning all those races from overseas or you can take a look at it from the point of hey we've called it the world championships and now we have a lot of other parts of the world where the americans didn't win it <laughs> yeah right we won a couple so, of the dirt races yeah sure. yeah so we'll go right into the dirt race uh the distaff which again latrushka was a horse that we've been fading for two months waiting for her to finally um feel the the, the effects of a long campaign but considering what happened in the distaff with Flavian Pratt just like losing his mind. <laughs> you know, it wasn't that he gunned to the lead because I could see that happening. The horse shows speed. He has post one. Uh, you know, like it makes sense to try to, to to get over before the other speeds come over on you. I think it was before the race. I, I put in the, in the group chat we had. <laughs> I said, I need private mission to just step on the gas. Just go. And he, and even that was like understated. <laughs> I mean, he never tried to slow it down at all. No, I was like, I just need him to go, and he did. And I was like, oh, oh, snap! He he really did that. Uh, you know, Latrushka, horologist, even she dares the devil. Just couldn't um, keep up. Man. Just got swept out with the current. You know, the the forty four and change pace. And let me tell you something. You know what? There's what is more annoying? I did not watch race on NBC. I tried my hardest never to watch the regular television coverage because it will make <clears throat> your brain like melt. 
<laughs> but when Larry Comis is calling the fractions out, and NBC's putting them on TV, and they're different. Yeah, that's <laughs> Like, what are we doing as an industry if we can't even get the times right? Like, how is it possible that we can't get times right anymore? Like, how is this possible? Yeah, how does that go backwards? I don't understand. How does it get worse over time? When, when in the classic, Larry goes, eh, and, and, and you know, Nick Sko gets a half and 45 and, you know, 0.84. And then on, on the, the, the NBC screen, it says 46.16. It's like... Like, how do you explain that to other people that are watching? Like, well, why is he different saying numbers? That? Like, yeah, what? Why are the numbers different? Oh, we have two timers. What's this? Like the old college football used to have the AP poll and the UPI poll, right? So you could have different national champions at the end of the year. Like, we we have different times now. Like, we're gonna have the the NBC time versus the the the, the track time. I mean, come on, man. But um, that pace was just. Which is ludicrous speed. It seemed like some of the, the riders behind kind of misjudged it. <laughs> they just kind of got caught up in other things. Right. I think they didn't realize how fast they were going or something. Because Royal Flag, I thought, with a pace like that, would have been the beneficiary of, the, of anybody. And he kind of got caught wide and... It was, it was, you know, the thing that worried me about Royal Flag was she had run so fast. Yeah. For her sheet number was so much better. Yeah. It it was such a jump up that I just said, Hey, can she ship across the country and, and, and repeat that number or even come close to it? And, and I, I know it's kind of a nebulous thing and it's hard to like quantify, but, um, no, that's a feel thing. I mean, you know, you've seen it before where horses did the same thing and kind of, you know, didn't run their best shot. They may have won, but, you know, you can't do that in a championship race like that, you know. No, Dunbar Road finally, finally woke up this year and, uh, I mean, almost won. <laughs> yeah, she she woke up, but woke up finishing second every time. Um, <laughs> Malathat made a nice run up the inside, but she got steadied at the quarter pole. Yep. And she's just not the type of horse that can get steadied and get pick herself back up and, and regain that momentum. But she ran a credible third. Um, Clarier ran well, and she might have won the race, but Dunbar Road kind of got in her way. Yeah, and, and really kind of faster uh, though. I mean, <laughs> made made Santana kind of like you know it, it was just unfortunate, but uh, uh, she she certainly it might have been just enough to to cost her, but. Uh, but uh, Murphy, the, the Irish jock, gave the horse a great ride, and 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 Marsh Lorraine, my friend Slim, he texted me like an hour before, and he says, "Do you give any shot to this Marsh Lorraine?" And I was like, "Uh, you know." And the Japanese horses are just like eased in the mile, and I was like, "Nah, I, I don't, you know, I mean, I don't <laughs> give her much shot." So after the race over, he said, "You know, I'm going to kill you." <laughs> I said. <laughs> I said, what do I know about Japanese racing? Uh, though, I, I, I tell you, that my theory about the Japanese having a rabbit in the dirt mile kind of was correct. Mm-hmm. Except both of them tried to be rabbits. Which, <laughs> both went flying. Which completely confused me. But they were trying to be rabbits. They just weren't fast enough to ke- keep up with Lofi's kid. <laughs> He's just too fast. But, but that was kind of an unusual scenario where, where you have... 
you know, a dead speed horse that everybody knows is going to be on the lead. And you have two horses you've shipped across the, 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 the Pacific Ocean to run in this race. And both of them chase the horse. Like, instead of having one chase and one kind of sit and, 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 and set it up for the other one. But uh, but Latrushka is still going to be horse of the year. I saw that Fausto Gutierrez said that they were going to try to bring her back next year. I just wonder sometimes, especially with mares. Maybe she's lost it. They get gutted in these type of races, yep. and and this is a race like, this isn't a race we normally see. You know what I'm saying? Like, this was uh, abnormal for sure. Like, there was a race, the Coaching Club American Oaks. Uh, gotta be, gotta be in the '80s. George Velasquez, I think he had been riding first call for Lucas, and 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 everything is fuzzy because it was so long ago, and he had just won like. Pfft, 40 graded stakes races the year before. Anyways, they fired him and they put someone else on it. And in and, and the coaching club, American Oaks, I, I can't remember the names of the Phillies. I think it was like 1985, but I remember the, the silks. It was the San Diego chargers, uh, Gene Klein. Oh, fine. Yeah. And he, uh, Wayne had a horse in there and, and, and Georgie just went after him and they went like 44. That's when that was a mile and a quarter race. Uh, or it might, it might've been a mile and a half race back then, the coaching club. And, I, and they went like 44 changed and a half, and it was just like crazy. And and I, I got to look it up. Of course, you know, we don't have charts before 1992 because, you know, we're horse racing and we're modern. But uh, I can't remember exactly what the – there's got to be a way to find out. But uh, that was the only time I can ever remember a top-flight Philly race where they just went like insane fractions. I mean, that was just insanity. And I, I just hope that Latrouche could – can, can bounce back and then get a little bit of time off and come back because I, you know, I almost felt guilty rooting against her because that's the kind of story and the kind of guy, you, you know, you're, you're wanting to root for, right? I mean, like we yeah, see home team, everything. All right. We, we, we see guys like that. You know, we, we want them to win. We are sick of the, the, the super trainers. Right. So, um, just hope she can come back and, uh, cause she's a really cool horse, you know, uh, the turf. I don't think the turf was a very good addition this year. Tarwana never really got involved. Uh, Sisbahan, our, our German horse, really didn't show much. No, I think I think they they got knocked off form. Yeah, Yabir uh just kind of mowed him down. Um, just like he just ran him down. I mean, it was I don't know how how else to you know what else to say. Just he just was circled the field and and was much the best. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, guy on uh, NBC, uh, or no, on TVG, Rishi picked that horse. But I mean, it, it's really you. You could you couldn't go wrong with any of the the euros except for the favorite. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you figured one of them was going to win. It was just a matter of whom. Yeah, the New York, um, the New York triple crown for turf horses or whatever the hell they call it produced a, uh, I think they produced a Cox plate winner and, and a, and a breeders cup turf winner. Hmm. So gotta be tough to do. Yeah. That's uh, those races aren't going anywhere soon, <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's a, uh, that's kind of a cool thing, you know, um, to go older horse, Greatest stake races with the, the those horses. Not only greatest stake races, like 
some of the biggest races in, in the respective countries. So yeah, in the world. <sighs> All right. Well, that brings us to the classic and controversial classic. How long, Barry, have I preached to everyone that there was not going to be a speed duel in this race? Probably since. I'd say probably since Saratoga. There's not going there is never going to be a speed duel in this race among those participants. Nick Sko is faster than those horses. Nick Sko has sprint. Nick Sko is clear by a length or more after a quarter mile in every freaking race. He runs around two turns. And I I'll give props to Gary Palmasano because we had a discussion about Midnight one night uh, on social media over, uh, after Nick's go won the, uh, the corn Oscar. And he made a great point. He said, you know, you throw that horse's one mile, one turn races out. And, and he's stellar. He doesn't, he, he, he's, he, he doesn't ever come close to getting beat. Right. And I never had really put that together because I was disappointed in his his race and you know I, I could have thrown out the race overseas but the 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 met mile he just didn't fire at all and he got beat by three horses he's just better than i mean he he should be able to beat by my standards silver state and and uh yeah but that uh, mischievous is- alex but the, he just doesn't he, he's just not a one-turn horse he's a two-turn horse and um his two-turn races are all spectacularly good his sheet numbers are, are, are outstanding and he has a tactical advantage. And, and I've tried to, to explain this to people that, um, well, if you want, if you look at the sheets, okay, thoroughgraphs, if a horse is on the lead earning minus twos, he's better than the horse who's coming off the pace earning minus, minus twos because the horse coming off the pace is always getting credit for being wide while the speed horse, even though Nick's go wound up in the middle of the track because Rosario knew that the inside wasn't that good, which is kind of an underreported um, part of of the, the races on Saturday in that uh, inside was awful. The inside was not that great. So you saw a lot of the speed horses kind of move out to the center of the track. But um, Nick's go is a front runner. I said, think about it like like a harness race, right? Like you have those harness Ooh. horses where the horses show ones every time. One, 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 one. And then you have the other horses who have speed, but they can also sit in. They can sit second or third. Well, that's Medina Spirit. He doesn't go to the lead every single race. When he ran against Life is Good, he had no chance of getting to the lead, right? <laughs> Hot Rod Charlie, same thing. Art Collector, he's not really a speed horse. No, he wasn't getting in front of it. Right? So, like, we knew that aren't really these are tactical speed horses, <clears throat> and and this is the thing that everybody like. Why, you know, like Gino wanted to argue with me, and I said, Gino, racing is not a zero sum game. You don't lose when you run second. You didn't win the race, but you didn't lose. This is not a winner and a loser. When you when you have a basketball game, one team wins, one team loses. To the victor goes the spoils. Winner take all. That's not how racing works. You get paid uh, a lot of money to run second and a lot of money to run third. So if you can't win, like sacrificing your horse to win or or, or run up the track, and, and you might say, well, how do you know? Well, how do you know that it wouldn't happen? But he was never getting ahead of Nick's go. So 
the more he pressed, the faster Nixco would have went, the faster Medina Spirit would have went. What race has shown that he can stalk a, a wicked fast pace and still finish going a mile and a quarter? I mean, he wilted in the Preakness, and I know it was only two weeks after the Derby. But he couldn't take pace pressure going a, a, a slower half than he would have had to go against Nixco. Nixco ran 22 and changed the second quarter. <laughs> And if he had someone pressing him, he probably went on faster. And I get the track was fast, but yeah, but it was it was somewhat fair. I mean, you couldn't say it was like like it was last year at Keeneland. He didn't go forty nine to the half. No, he, he didn't was steal. Quick. He, he didn't steal anything. He won the race no, because he, he was the best horse. But the fact is that that Medina Spirit was never going to get to the lead on on this horse. And I, you, you know. know what? I, I saw a lot of talk about the ride and, and Johnny V and all that kind of stuff. And I went back and I looked at the start of the race. I looked at it a few times just to, just to make sure I was seeing what I was seeing. And Nick's go basically got a three quarter head start out of the gate. Once they broke Medina spirit didn't break that well, first of all, but Nick's go was already, you know, a half a length in front of essential quality, like two jumps out of the gate. And once that was it, that was that was the that was the race right there because he had he had position on the lead. He had complete control of the race from that point forward. And I think Johnny V knew that. And he well, was going to try to kill his horse to to try to, you know, force the issue for no reason than him finishing way back, you know, fourth, maybe fifth. It, it just wasn't worth it. And to be honest, I thought Medina Spirit ran a hell of a race. He was wide the whole way off pretty good fractions and finished well ahead. While Essential Quality basically rode the rail, which wasn't the greatest part of the track, but saved ground the whole time and, and just didn't finish. So, you know, it's just kind of a tale of, of what happened right out of the gate. That race was one as soon as they came out of the gate and nobody could get close to, <laughs> to, uh, to Nick's go. It, it was just amazing. I, I had to, I had to watch it a couple of times just to get the full effect. But, you know, if you go back and look at that replay, I mean, it was clear that Nick's go broke so sharp that nobody was going to touch him. No, Nick's go has the ability to run sprinter times. Yeah. He went 44 and change last year pressed in the mile and pulled away none of those other horses have ever shown the ability to run a half and 44 and change and and draw off like that none of them like medina spirits was gifted to lead his last race in california the race before that he he, he didn't exactly draw off from you know he, from stiletto boy and, and those type of horses Right, but I he mean, also slows the pace down and everyone forgets too it's like easy to look at after the race but Nixco wasn't the favorite. Everybody was concerned. If you go out and you go head and head with Nixco, then you're setting it up for Cox's other horse. I mean, he was in the garden spot. And the interesting thing about it was he seemed a little bit, uh, I think he thought the central quality was going to win. It sounded like it. <laughs> so, I, you know, like I don't understand why, because to me, 
you know, if Mexico you, just you, couldn't you get the mile broke and a quarter, it down perfectly on our show on, on Wednesday. I said exactly what was going to happen. And then that's exactly what happened. The, the exact way you laid it out was the exact way it happened. I think people have a hard time understanding sometimes <clears throat> that what could happen isn't what's going to happen. Right. You know, not a what, foregone conclusion. What could happen. Yes, Medina Spirit could send and, and press the pace. But when what people I, I, when happens? people say, well, all the jocks, well, the jocks aren't, a, are, they're, they're not, it wasn't Medina's, or, uh, excuse me, Nick's go versus the other seven horses. Everybody was riding their own race. And that happens every single day, all the time. And just, and, and I'm not a fan of it. I'm not, you know, in favor of it. I think that a lot of jockeys are, are riding passive. A lot of times, let's face it, it's they ride passive because uh, a handful of guys control all the good mounts. And uh, if, if, you know, you're trying to ride for a bunch of different trainers, then, you know, you might not want to press his even money shot with a 10 to one shot because he might think, oh, well, he's going to get pissed at me. And it's, it sucks. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a, an attitude that, that, that hurts our business, but it's another, another one of the, the fallouts of a handful of guys having all the power. And, this is a fact, though. This is how races are ridden in this country. It's why Echo Zula was going to be, even if those horses had broke sharp, she was going to be on the lead. And Rosario, you saw who way he, she broke. And his intention that day in that in that race go, was go. get clear, <clears throat> get clear. And he did. And he was he, you know, she's another filly. She was a little bit faster than those other fillies, right? And, and catch a little breather in the back stretch and and let yeah. her go. <laughs> And it's it's you know he he gets um, a lot of praise as being a jock that's that's really good on comfort by horses and he's it so is. much better on the lead it's not even but funny he is a really good it's like Pate people used to say you know Pate oh you know I mean, Pate just think was, about Pate was dominant on the lead when Pate got a horse to the lead and got a, any kind of breather he, he was <laughs> looking wild again first when Joel was out in California full time before he moved out east. Everything was on the lead. Everything. And he was so good. So good on the lead. I mean, he's just rounded himself out. He, he's the man. He's a strong, like, strong, that, strong. Never, he's you the closest, never say anything bad about Joel, ever. He's the closest thing to Lafitte Pinkai that, that we have in these days. And there's a lot of good riders. Jose Ortiz had a great Breeders' Cup. Irad won three races. <laughs> you know? Like, he, he didn't win... Uh, you know, of, of the the if you rank the races of importance, I think he ran, he won like the fourteenth rank most important, but the thirteenth most important. And <laughs> you know, well, life is good. I mean, that that's really you know, that's a that that's a division championship for a division that doesn't exist. The milers, you know, there's no mile eclipse award winners. So, uh, I mean, honestly, he might have won the twelfth, thirteenth, and fourteenth most important races, but uh, but you know, he won three races, and that's great. And William Buick was was outstanding. Um. You know, it was uh, it, it was you know there was some some really some really good rides and you know we Event. knocked the guys a lot and but uh, <clears throat> you know, are, are really good and, and and you know their their skills come through in these big races when um, you know there's big fields and and it's a more truly run race. I mean, and that's the thing is we get so used to now looking at races that. Um, are short fields or there's 
two horses or three horses or one horse who's you know lays over the field and everybody else is just trying to maneuver and um you know I, uh, yeah overthink it you know yeah but uh, you know like coming out of this breeders cup i think that you know looking at looking forward to next year we if everybody can stay healthy and some of these horses that that went on the shelf can come back um can come back strong and we have you know there's always later developing horses that that turn good as a four-year-old look at the aloha west you know um last year at this time i mean who, who you know who was he right uh so you know we get those good horses we, we could have uh you know a really good older horse division on the dirt which is which has kind of been a long time coming now um you know, uh, the turf horses, I, I just don't know. I mean, we, we we looked pretty bad all year. I mean, we had predicted this six months ago. Yeah, that, that, and the no Breeders' shit. Cup was going to be a, a European, European domination. And, um, and, it, and, it, and it pretty much was. I mean, we, we had a couple horses that ran good. but uh, And it's funny that... Um, uh, that uh, well, I guess it's not really funny, but you know, the fact that the Japanese—I mean, this is going to embolden them, right? I mean, they've got to be um, right. like, we can do this, you know. What about you know? Maybe we, we might even maybe see some some horses come from Hong Kong, and uh, I mean, I know the big international races are uh, usually five weeks after the breeders cup i mean might we see somebody from there come over and maybe uh try to try to prep in uh in one of uh in one of the breeders cup races and and try it out um i mean maybe maybe it'll happen uh, uh i know a couple of those japanese horses are going to hong kong to compete next month so maybe we'll draw some of them because those horses are really good really really good um Golden sixty. Hmm. He just crop dusted the uh, Order of Australia last year after Order of Australia won the Breeders' Cup mile. <laughs> he went over there at Golden Sixty went by him so fast it looked like I was riding Order of Australia, like he just <laughs> chained to the rail. <laughs> um yeah, I mean it's 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 truly an international event, and and uh, I, I know there was you know there's always some hand wringing. There's always going to be some people complaining, but there was some hand wringing about the Japanese horses coming over, and like, oh yeah, it's kind of hard to say they still don't belong anymore. I, I did think uh, I said on Frank Vespi's show, uh, and and Frank got me like, <laughs> Frank's Frank. a good Frank's a good guy, and he got me like, my, my phone kept cutting out. I'm trying to move. I'm 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 like like two inches from having a stroke because I'm going up and down the stairs. And uh, I said, uh, you know, what pisses me off, Frank. I said that we have these six Japanese horses in these races and nobody's even like said anything about them. Like I haven't heard a word about these horses. I haven't heard anything about their strategy, about what their plan is, why they came over anything about the horses, you know, really in, in general, uh, Alan Carrasco from the TDN is, is really the, my main source of information for those horses. And if it was for him, uh, I mean, wouldn't we wouldn't have hardly known anything. Because he he pointed out that the horse in the juvenile 
had run in a race, the mile and an ace race, first time out, was well, a Japanese starters, race. Right. But the way they have it was all first time starters, which, if you think about it, a full field of 10 first time starters going a mile and an eighth round on the dirt. Let's talk about something that'll never happen here, right? But, um, you know, th- those are the type of, of, of things that I think are interesting and, and that, you know, we don't have very much access to information um, on the Japanese horses. So, like, sometimes, you know, we don't need to ask Aiden O'Brien 47 questions, you know, just as the same thing. And, and, and you know what, to be honest, I, I think that the, the, the European trainers are, are, have been pretty candid about their chances. I mean, they they interviewed Charlie Appleby, and like he, he sounded like he didn't want to run a Walton Street. Yeah, <laughs> and you he, see he didn't how... give him any chance. He went Dude. like six to one, um, and he loved space uh, space traveler. But uh, you know, like just I, th- I think there's like little improvements because the Breeders' Cup does a really good job at producing videos and, and and the coverage the week of the race especially is, is really strong but there's still some layers and it still seems like we're overemphasizing the favorites when a lot of us know the story behind the favorites right i mean um, right everybody knows <laughs> yeah so there's so many other interesting stories and i know george leonard got got a lot of coverage and his horse just got too far behind, and and really on that track was was at a huge disadvantage. But there's a lot of other people out there too that that um, th- whose stories are 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 interesting, and uh, and I was really happy for Wayne Catalan. I, I really was. I spent a little time with him this summer in Chicago, and he's 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 a good dude, and and uh, it's really an impressive feat to think about it. He's he's going for he's sixty wins away from his three thousandth win. Hmm. Um, as I said, he wins a lot of races, man. He he does. And no slouch by any means. He's, he's no, no, and it's uh, it's it's really that that's that's four Breeders' Cups a lot for a guy like that. You know, some of these guys come to the to the to the Breeders' Cup every year and you get 10, 12 horses. I mean, <laughs> it's even like the Triple Crown. It's gotten to be where the same guys always have horses in there every single year, and. No, no, no disrespect at all. I mean, they they run big operations. They do a good job training horses, and it's not easy to get any horse to to races like that. But from a, a storyline kind of deal, it gets to be it's the same old, same old. It's not. It's right. not. How, a, how many Baffert and, and Todd Pletcher stories can we see? Baffert's trained what, like eleven out of the last like twenty three year old champions. <laughs> it's no. It's it's and it's not you know nothing against those guys but no but but I, I remember when the triple you know when the derby was you know you, you always had your big outfits and and you know every other year Lucas would have one in but now it's just you know the domination uh, having 10 12 horses in a breeders cup well uh, and, and you know winning a breeders cup race these days isn't like it was when there were seven races i mean it's it's a lot easier to win you have you know, if you had a Philly sprinter in the old days, you were running as the boys. If you had a, um, you know, a horse that was best on uh, on the dirt going a mile, well, you were running six furlongs. You're running a mile and a quarter. You know, <laughs> if you had a Philly mare turf horse, you were running in the turf. Um, well, so I feel, like, I feel like we've seen the same Bob Baffert story since like Congaree and Cavanier. 
Yeah, it was funny. Bob Baffert, when he first broke in, was the new guy. He was kind of like... Yeah, 30 slews, right? At, at he was, Gulfstream. He was a funny, you know, kind of a, a quick-witted guy. And, and he was like the darling of everyone. And Was. You know, <laughs> now now he's... I mean, now it's almost like over the top where it's, it's like enough. I mean... I get where people are pissed off, and 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 listen, I, I'm I I am disgusted by his lack of of uh, remorse or anything, you know, or at least publicly, and the fact that he just uses lawyers as battering rams, um, I don't like that. It, it bothers me, but like you know, I, I'm, by the same token, um, I just can't like. I can't like gather up animosity every single day for it. I, I just right, yeah, no, I understand. Like it's like Twitter's relentless on that. It's like Lasix, right? We argued about Lasix for fifteen years. I'm wore out. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't want to talk about it because the fact of the matter is that people make up their minds, and it is what it is. And a lot of horses bled, and a lot of horses bleed all the time, and that's that's the truth. People don't want to hear it. They want to pretend like bleeding doesn't happen anymore. That's not true. That happens. But and, and no one thought that horses would just start <clears throat> keeling over. I mean, uh, you know, no one sensible. But the argument is is the the law has been changed, and you know, the argument's over. And I and I just don't want to talk about it anymore. And when when the horse trainers, you know, say something to me about it, I'm like, where were you guys five years ago when we were fighting this? You know, they passed right. a federal law it is a law now at some point this thing is going to be in effect at some point and it's it's there's not going to be more lasix how they're going to phase it out i have no idea i still have no idea how they i'm sure they don't either right i don't have any idea how they can't just do a cold turkey i really don't you can't phase something out because you know like i said if you say all right two-year-olds aren't going to be able to use lasix fine well when they learn turn three can they use lasix well, Maybe. no. I said, okay. <laughs> when they turn three, uh, what are they going to do when they race against four-year-olds and five-year-olds and older horses? You're going to have half the field not running on Lasix and half the field running on Lasix. That doesn't really work. That's that's a that will make this a debacle. Right. So, what are you going to have? Some races on Lasix. Some. I mean, it's just at some point we're going to say, as of January first, two thousand twenty-four, no more Lasix, and and that's all there. And and that and that's all there's to it. And is is it smart? No. Is it going to be beneficial? No, but it's what we have to deal with. And, and that's, you know, at some point we just have to come to grips with it and, and, and just move on. And, you know, that's the thing with the Baffert thing. Listen, like talking about it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. That's why I think the Breeders' Cup made a mistake even coming going public. They should have just, this should have been an internal discussion and they should have come out. They would have come out looking smarter if they said, Hey, by the way, we kind of been debating this topic with Baff internally, and we've decided that we're going to subject him to much stricter security than everybody else. And that's it. Instead, they said, Not allow him. So then when you allow him, then you, oh, you lose everybody from there, from there right? After that, you've, you've lost the public relations battle because you're allowing him and a certain segment of the population is going to say, I don't care if you, you know, uh, 
inserted uh, cameras up his ass and, and follow, you know, like they don't care. Right. Well, I mean, I, I just would think with, with everything, they would have the, the, the PR thing down. But clearly they don't. Yeah, because I, I just didn't understand. I, I hate to just, you know. And they have marketing people. Thing. But but you have, you know, like, you can't, like. Uh, like you said, you described it to a T. said, you know, you lost everybody when you said you might not. And exactly. you end up doing it. They should have just kept their mouth shut, released a statement. Uh, this is what we're going to do. And that's it. Is it really fair six or seven weeks out? Say, all right, Gamine and Medina Spirit and then the Corniche and the other. Okay, you can't run in the Breeders' Cup. We if you they... made that decision in July, right? All right, whatever. But you, you know, how how do you how do you make it at that late date? And it just was uh, it, it just was, was a, a nonsense, a fumbling, a right. fumbling, and and that's that's like racing is 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 least transparent when it should be, and and sometimes it, it's transparent when it shouldn't be. It should have not been a public discussion. It should have been an internal discussion, and they should have fought it out in in private. And then when they came out, and they, they even if they called him in and and, and they let, let him make his case and set up the protocols they set up, they would have looked strong by doing that, saying, "Hey, unlike all these other races and these other big event days, we're setting him up with unprecedented security, just him," and. That would have been that would have been praised. That would have been praised. Yep, they, it and, would have been well received. All right. all right, and I think that part of the problem is that uh, a lot of these racing organizations don't look. They don't understand the real. They don't have a p- feeling of the of the pulse of the people. It's very insular. It's very hey, you know, like what well, are my friends saying? Yes, man, is group thing. And, and and it just is. You know, you, you got to look at it from. Uh, especially considering how many people on the Breeders' Cup board have ties to Baffert. They're just, it's, it's un, uh, it's impossible to think that you're going to have that many people with ties to him and get a uh, independent answer. And, uh, you know, people are, I, there's, I have people that are friends of mine that may not be the most popular guys in the world. And, <laughs> You know, if 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 someone was 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 saying something about you, you know, like I, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna stick up for you. You know what I mean? Like he's my friend. Uh, he's, you know, he's my guy, and 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 I understand that. I mean, there's people that that you know see Baffert as uh, someone maybe they've done business with for 20, 25 years. That are friends with him. That they go to dinner with him. That go on vacation with whatever. Right? And I I get that. And maybe they should be recusing themselves but this isn't a court of law right this they is get... horse racing and this is like you know i mean i i hate the whole the whole scenario is i hate the fact that we had a day that ended the breeders cup day that ended with fans booing with people holding tickets that were worthless even though they picked all the winners i hate the fact that we don't know if the horse won the kentucky derby in in, in november i hate the fact that some trainers suddenly just can't train a little bit for months at a time then all of a sudden become uh you know geniuses again i hate that it takes forever to get anything done in this business i hate that um so you know so many different things but at the same time there are some things we just have to wait on and you know if baffert gets another positive then all hell is going to break oh man 
I mean, I just pray to, to for the good of the sport because honestly, in the end, it's not bad to throw people out. It's not bad to have a scandal. It's really not that bad. In the end, if you have a scandal and you throw people out, then at the very least, you could say, hey, listen, we're doing everything. This guy is a golden boy and we threw him out. So you know everybody else better be on 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 uh, on alert, right? But at some point you get over it. And the thing with this is it just is going to linger and it lingers and lingers and lingers. And it's it's no matter what discussion you have, you're going to get somebody saying, yeah, but he had nine horses back. Yeah, but. Yeah, but this one. Yeah, but that. Yeah, but this. And this horse never should have been running the Kentucky Derby. And this horse never should have done this. And it's like, all right. But, you know, like, there's, there's just, oops. oops. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, I'm just fatigued about it, right? I mean, that's that's really it. And, and maybe, you know, you could say, well, Chuck, you don't pay that much California, California racing, so, you know, blah, 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 blah. but. No, you know. but you, you, it's not like you're out of tune or, you know, out of touch with what goes on in California. You're not. And it's exhausting. I get it. It's been a long year as far as that goes, especially with the the whole Baffert saga since May, you know? I mean, even before that, to be honest, but it really came to fruition in May and it, it has been off and on. And it's like, when's enough enough? You know, I hear you. It's just like a hangover. You're just like done with it. Yeah, it's 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 kind of it's a little bit of a letdown now for racing. Um, you know, we have the Post Breeders' Cup kind of, uh, uh, you know, around Thanksgiving time, end of the month. There's there's some some races, and obviously Santa Anita, my favorite, the Claiming Crown. Love the, those races, man. They're always competitive. They're always good. Usually gets big fields, and it gives the the little guys a time to shine. Love that event. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 always a good betting event. It's grown a lot. Um, it's it's really grown. I mean, uh, the handle has grown quite a bit. Um, the interest has grown quite a bit, and it's become in the opening day, the opening weekend feature at Gulfstream, which which is going to feature the uh, the reemergence of the grass. <laughs> so, man, I, I you know I was thinking about that. I, I just wish they would just scrap the synthetic unless it rains don't card races on it uh, you're going to wind up with a Churchill situation see Churchill this weekend at five horse field after five horse field after five horse field and just don't card that, it that's, that's just the reality of, of, our, of our sport these days and if, if, without turf we're like crippled <laughs> right just don't card anything on the synthetic unless it rains they're tough races to watch. They're so slow, dude. It looks like they're running on a record player. And I still got a, a, an orange cone. As the and the cone, player. my man. We got to give a name to the cone. <laughs> I don't know what. That, that, that'll be... Uh, anybody that's made it to this part of the show... <laughs> I'll I tell you what. You come up with a clever name for the cone... I tell you, I, 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 I'm gonna go out on that turf course and, I, and I'll take a black magic marker and I'll write the, I'll write the name right across on that thing. 
Cynthia Cone. <laughs> yeah. So if you're listening, going in circles podcast at Gmail, send us your choice for the finish the 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 the, the finish line cone on the synthetic track at Gulfstream Park needs a name. And uh, oh, so I moved right, which I uh, like I said I, I about didn't make it. But I did, and I did find some. I have some giveaway bags. Oh, like tote bags from Saratoga, from Saratoga Harness. Oh, boy. Uh, from Belmont, the Belmont Fall Championship meet, when that actually was a thing, was around. Yeah, so, so, I, so that, that'll be the, 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 uh, the winning, um, the winning. Name will we'll get uh, I'll mail you a tote bag, a right. giveaway tote bag from the 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 golden years. Uh, they're kind of cool. My dad had them stored. I have no idea why, but when they, when they moved out of their house and they had to get rid of like well ninety percent of their stuff, <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, the old bag collection got got inherited by me. So we'll do that. And I honestly, I've, I've been wanting to have like some fun things, some contests and, and some, uh, you know, so just things like that with some prizes. And I have some nice stuff to, to give away. I think people would have, be interested in maybe getting winning Sanity um, in town, but um, you know, we always seem to come up with some kind of racing kerfuffle. Quagmire nonsense to have to discuss and and fun goes out the window but uh yes name uh, the cone the orange cone the gulfstream park synthetic wire name it and uh the winner will get a nice tote bag of their choice I, i will i think i have like four or five of them pretty sure i got a couple saratogas a saratoga harness which has the old Seattle Supersonics colors, the the green with oh, the, the yellow, green. yeah, and uh, and and I, I, I have one Belmont, uh, one Belmont uh, Fall Championship giveaway bag, and we'll, we'll give it away. We'll mail it to you. All right. So get them get them ideas out there. You got anything else, Mister Spears? Uh, no. I, th- I think I, we covered it. I, I think we. This is solid. My my uh, the Clyde Frazier suits got off the <clears throat> off the duck, and then we got. Oh yeah, we're three and zero. We're three and zero. We're one and two, but uh, we, we were picking up momentum, even though uh, our man and B got put into the COVID protocol today, and Mitchell Robinson has a hip flexor. So <laughs> my my log jam at center has now been solved by my guys getting injured. But, uh, <laughs> But well, we're, we're, a depot to come back, and it's night night for everybody. The train, I hear the train is back. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like I said, the Dolphins won a game, and I'll be honest. So did the Jags, bro. The Dolphins Texans game might have been the worst professional football game played in a long time. It was agonizing. The Dolphins had five turnovers and they won the game. 
because they got a good quarterback. Seventeen to nine. No, they Brissett played this the backup quarterback. Oh, Brissett played. Oh, Gat the starting running back Miles Gaskins twenty carries for thirty four yards. Oh my god, I'd be so mad. The line, like, did you see the thing on Twitter today? Oh yeah, of that was... all the offensive oh. linemen in the in the in the NFL, all of them that qualify that, that have a certain amount, right? So there's five guys, right, on every team. Well, there's 30 teams, so it's 150, and there's probably another 40 guys or 50 guys that qualified because they're filling in and right because guys are always hurt. Yeah, they have the worst, the second to worst, and the third worst <laughs> lineman in in terms of giving up pass pressure. <laughs> I mean that's almost impossible to be to have three guys that bad. Well, anybody seen a Dolphins game can pick that up right away. It's it's like this team won ten games last year. What happened? <laughs> it's it's mostly the same guys. That's what happened. <laughs> uh, they were selling tickets for ten bucks. Sure. Ten and not not like one. There was a you go to StubHub or one of those things, and a lot of times they'll lure you in, and there'd be like you know a, a low price ticket, but it's like one ticket like out in the four hundred level. You know, there they was a lot magic. of tickets available for ten bucks. I think ten bucks is the minimum. They so do the magic games like after the the game starts, yeah, they just bottom out all the prices because it's never sold out, and they're just like whatever, man, just take a ticket and get in there. Hey, if they got Cole Anthony playing good, man, they're going to get more people watching. His interview, the he's interview was one of the greatest I ever saw. like that guy. I like him better than Greg. <laughs> Much. But uh, we'll be back next week. I have no idea what we'll be talking about, but we'll be oh, back. Oh, something's going to happen. Oh, yeah, something will always gonna happen. going to happen. I'll probably get a cease and desist letter from the California Racing Board, but I don't care. <laughs> you guys suck. That's all there is to it. I don't know what I don't, I don't know how else to put it. I just don't know how else to put it. But pretty plain there. I'm still really mad about that. Everybody should be mad about that. And I'm mad at the business as usual people. This is not going to be business as usual. We're mad about that. I'm mad about it. But uh, but racing carries on. We'll uh, there'll, there'll be. They'll be running, what, Indiana having a carryover? Oh, by the way, Veterans Day. Angel Cordero, happy birthday, puppy. Happy birthday. Hey, puppy. Angel's birthday today. Double O Cordero. The greatest. Um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk. We'll talk next week. Uh, you know what, Julian? I talked to Julian Brown yesterday. We had a nice conversation about wagering my uh, strategies, and he had a lot of good ideas. And, and uh, you know what? Maybe we'll, we'll maybe we'll get Julian on and, and talk about that because uh, you know the next couple of weeks are going to be pretty light in, in regards to the higher level racing. So well, it might be an interesting topic to talk about. Yeah, absolutely, always. So Julian's a good guy. Plus, he knows Grant Hill. Yes. So and George Lynch. George Lynch, yeah. The North Carolina henchman. <laughs> God, I don't even look Irish. <sighs> so, next week, same time, same place, same bat channel. Get those names and.
Name that cone. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening. Hey, if you're listening to the Going in Circles Big Monday show, which obviously you are, you should also sign up for the Going in Circles Digest. It's kind of a weekly, I won't say it's a weekly, but it's kind of a weekly uh, newsletter that we put out, and we cover all kinds of topics. We write stories, we talk about industry issues, we do some stakes previews, all kinds of different things. Um, If we find a interesting old video on YouTube, we'll post that. We've done restaurant reviews, all kinds of different stuff. And best of all, it's free. And all you have to do is go to goingincirclesdigest.substack.com and put your email address in there and uh, we will um, send you the link as soon as it's posted. So go ahead, check it out, goingincirclesdigest.substack.com. Again, thank you for listening.